What's up? It's Jonathan Hood. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast brought to you by Miller Lite, the presenting sponsor of the 2020 ESPN 1000 Virtual Fantasy Football Championship. Find out how you can be a part of it at ESPNFFC.com. It's ESPNFFC.com. Welcome to the Baseball Show. Chicago's only interactive nightly show focused on the Cubs, the White Sox, and Major League Baseball. On radio, on app, on podcast. Listen to the show your way on ESPN 1000 with our new ESPN Chicago app. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. What's up and welcome in to the Baseball Show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. I'm Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. Again, it's at ESPN MLB Show for the Baseball Show weeknights right after Wadlin Sylvie right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. The Cubs and Sox will be going at it tonight. Uh, and We will preview those games with the Cubs taking on Pittsburgh at Wrigley Field coming up in an hour from now. Also, the White Sox taking on the Kansas City from Kauffman Stadium. Again, that game will take place about 7-10 uh, in Kansas City. But first, we talk about the piece that was written by Jeff Passan about a couple hours ago from ESPN.com. Is the season on the brink? That is my first pitch. Is the season on the brink? Because Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred told Major League Baseball Players uh, Association Executive Director Tony Clark on Friday, today, that if the sport doesn't do a better job of managing the coronavirus, it could shut down the season. The league and the players recognize the coming days are at a really critical juncture following the outbreak of the Miami Marlins, in which 18 players and two coaches had tested positive for COVID-19. Two positive tests by the St. Louis Cardinals players today uh, really raised the concerns inside the sport about the presence of the coronavirus and whether players are following Major League Baseball's protocols uh, and if they're being followed properly to prevent outbreaks similar to Miami's. Think about this. This is the first week of baseball. We were just celebrating the return of Cubs and White Sox baseball last Friday. And here we are on the 31st of July, and we are talking about a major outbreak that took place with one team, the Miami Marlins, in which, again, 18 players and two coaches tested positive. And then to once again having to cancel another game where Milwaukee was supposed to have their home opener. Now that's not happening. And Passing goes on to say that should another outbreak materialize, Manfred, who has the power to shut down the season, could move in that direction. Multiple players briefed on the call fear that the season could be shut down as soon as Monday if positive tests jump or if players continue not to strictly abide by the league's protocols. So here is the main point that really stood out to me from Passing's piece from ESPN.com. is that is the state and local governments have pressured baseball about playing uh, players skirting the mandates outlined in the league's 113-page operations manual. Skirting the mandates. Broadcasts have shown players, and I've seen these games just like you've seen these games as well, broadcasts have shown players not wearing masks and high-fiving and spitting, uh, and they have left government officials wondering how seriously players are taking to the protocols, according to a source. Well, I've watched a lot of games here over the last 
ooh, eight days or so. And watching the games feel like the games I watched in 2019, except there's no fans. There's players that spit right there at home plate. I saw Tim Anderson do it. I saw a couple of Sox players do it. I saw Cubs players do it at first base. I've seen the high fives, and I've seen players embrace, you know, just kind of like, hey, you know, good play or a great, you know, it's awesome to need a home run. It looks like baseball in 2019. And it just goes to show you that watching baseball is a microcosm of some sections of our society. It's about social distancing. It's about wearing a mask. It's about making sure that you're safe, wearing a mask to make sure that you are uh, protecting someone else and that you're protecting yourself. And some don't believe in it. Some of these bootleg scientists that think that they know science and say, oh, if I don't wear a mask, what's the big deal? Don't let, don't drink the Kool-Aid and, you know, don't let your freedoms with five Z's and two S's, don't let your freedoms being taken away. I don't know how the mask and trying to protect someone and yourself became political, but here we are in 2020. There's a 113 page operations manual including ESPN, uh, ESPN 1000's Anthony Rizzo complaining about having to sit in the clubhouse for eight hours and wants to know whether or not that's in the manual or not. Well, here's the deal, is that the mandates that are put out there for Major League Baseball are supposed to keep players safe. This is not like the NBA or the National Hockey League, in which these players are in a bubble, tested every day, making sure they don't go outside the bubble, to increase the chances for everyone to stay safe. Baseball players, as we have seen here, are just doing their own thing. Not all of them, but a number of them to be able to have an outbreak with the Marlins. As you're listening to the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company, with me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Let's have a refresher about the Marlins. The Marlins, whose coronavirus ticker is currently at 20, are putting those infected players and coaches on a bus and transporting them 1,200 miles. So the franchise's traveling party have been quarantined in Philadelphia since the extent of the team's outbreak. It became clear in the testing at the beginning of the week. Now the 18 players and two coaches with coronavirus are getting on a bus from Philly to Miami, according to an ESPN report. They're taking an 18-hour drive to go on an isolated quarantine location. That would put more than half the roster on ice well into August. And the mayor of Miami, Carlos Jimenez, said that the team needs to quarantine for 14 days upon returning. And on Twitter, Bomani Jones asked the salient question, who's driving that bus? I'd like to know, too, who is the brave soul that will be driving that bus with players that have tested positive for COVID-19? It is a good question. This brings the number of teams being held out of action on Friday to six. So think about this. Again, last Friday, you and I were talking about the opener for the Cubs and Sox. And now the Brewers and the Cardinals and the Marlins and the Phillies and the Nationals and the Blue Jays are all these teams that have been affected because of positive tests from COVID-19. That sucks. The Cardinals positives represent the first positive test that the sport has seen outside the East Coast since the regular season started last week. 
That's a lot. It's something that I believe you and I suspected it was going to happen as far as positive test, because there is no bubble situation in place for major league baseball. Ken Rosenthal from the athletic.com was talking about this as well about the Phillies end of this. Listen to this people within the Phillies organization have been frustrated this week by the lack of communication from the league. He was looking at you, Manfred. Phillies general manager Matt Clintack said that the Phillies found out about the Marlins' three positive tests Sunday around noon, about the same time it was publicly reported by media outlets. At the time of the first pitch, Clintack said the team knew some but not all the details, though he did not explain what that entailed. He says, all I can tell you is that there was plenty of communication before the game. There were others at the league level who knew about the positive test before we did, so the determination was made at that point that it was safe. Obviously, the escalation of that came on Monday with nine more positive tests. That's what we were led to a lot of these scheduled changes, and this is why it's taking place. So here's the question. So how bad is Commissioner Manfred and Tony Clark at their jobs? That's a real question. Because... It's one thing to look at these players on their level and say, hey, players, understand that you've got to be as safe as possible. If you're healthy, you can help your team win. If you're available, that's a good thing. Instead of just doing your own thing or being a non-believer, and that's the whole thing about a baseball team or any of these teams that we're talking about. Some don't believe in this. Some believe that these deaths are not real. Or some believe that they are bulletproof and feel like COVID-19 is not going to affect me because I'm a young guy. All this misinformation that people get, even though in this era you can be able to find the right information if you're looking for it. This is not where you can go through, through book learning like I did before the computers as a Gen Xer. No, the information's there if you choose to go to look for it. But the real question is how bad is Manfred and Tony Clark at their jobs? And here's another question. Another question is, where was the lack of communication or miscommunication among teams and protocols? Why was there a lack of communication? Why was there miscommunication about these protocols? Should this raise serious questions about how communication should be handled for similar situations in the future when a team has multiple positive tests? The last thing in that piece was there was concern, quote-unquote, about the -the off-the-field choices, quote-unquote, with one high-ranking official saying, quote, there are some bad decisions being made. Well, no blank. (laughs) No blank there's, there's bad decisions being made because you give a person an inch and they will take a mile. If I'm a Major League Baseball player, I'm talking about me, Jonathan Hood. If I'm a Major League Baseball player and there's no bubble system and I got to go to the crib to and go to the ballpark, I got to make sure that I'm healthy enough to play. That's just like any other time, you know, 2019 and before that, that I've got to be healthy enough to be able to be available and to play. Some players don't feel that way. Some players feel like I'm just going to go out and just do what I do normally and I won't catch the coronavirus. If I test positive, oh, it's okay. But clearly from Rob Manfred's standpoint, he's saying, oh, well, you know, if this continues on, we should shut it down. If this was Roger Goodell, and and believe me, I am no Goodell fan, okay? If this is Adam Silver even, 
this would have already been shut down. Because if players don't want to buy in, if the commissioner doesn't want to be able to step in there and speak on this almost on a daily basis, look, we got governors and mayors that we don't want to hear from sometimes that's on everyday interrupting program, interrupting programming to talk about coronavirus. Okay. Why can't Manfred talk about it outside of being on the house organ and being on the major league baseball network with Verducci? This is a, a thing like cup fans are excited about the start of the season. Sox fans are excited that Madrigal is back and that there's young players and that there's baseball to watch. All of us as baseball fans are happy that the sport's back. But we want the sport to be as safe as possible so it can last, so we can see this for 60 games, so we can see this uh, a playoffs, so we can see those things. But clearly, there's some within baseball, including at the top, that couldn't care less about what is going on with the players because the players' safety is the number one thing. Now, it's one thing for the players not to care about their own safety, but at the top of all of this, Clark and Manfred, they've got to care about safety as well. Coming up next, we will talk about the Cubs and Sox. Cubs taking on Pittsburgh and the Sox taking on Kansas City. We'll hear from Jesse Rogers and get his thoughts on this big issue because he's been covering it just like Jeff Passon has from ESPN.com. We'll get some reaction and get your thoughts. Always open phone lines for you on the baseball show, 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. You know what's going on. You know the topic that, yes, there's baseball. Yes, there's games. But how long will this last if Manfred comes out today at 5 o'clock and just says, if this keeps going, we're going to shut it down? How does that make you feel as a baseball fan on The Baseball Show? The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. Week 96 on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Cubs, Sox, Major League Baseball. Baseball's coming back. This is the Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Tempting fate. What are the chances in 2020 season we'll finish amid the COVID-19 pandemic? It's a lot on the line. We knew that we'd see positive tests. We did not know that a whole team would have to be, not a whole team, almost half the team would be sequestered on a bus and making a travel because those guys have COVID-19 and also the cancellations of games. It's a lot, isn't it? The baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. You're always welcome on Twitter as well. We continue to try to grow our Twitter feed at ESPN MLB Show with retweets of information. We've been doing this all day, trying to give you the latest from Passin and Heyman and Rosenthal and everyone else that's involved, Jesse, that's involved with Major League Baseball, which is trying to give you that information and highlights and fun right there at ESPN MLB Show. Anything baseball, it's all there for you on our Twitter feed. Let's go to the phone lines to talk to you. I want to get your thoughts on this story. As much as I would love, love to lead off previewing the Cubs and Sox, I know that the season is on the brink. And I know that this is weighing heavily in a lot of sports fans' minds, definitely baseball fans' minds. So I want to get your thoughts on, on this. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Mark is in Lake Forest to leads us off on the baseball show. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jay Hood. Always great to join you. Like, uh, you've used a lot of adjectives or nouns like misinformation or uh, undereducated, but I'd like to call it you know, blind optimism. Um, 
back in April, I was fortunate enough to be part of a published paper, uh, which actually went to print in May out of the University of Minnesota. We called this in in May that there was major challenges. Uh, we were endorsed by the Washington Post, the New York Times. Uh, I offered help. I, I, I have personal correspondences with uh, governors, league offices, the PA, the city of Chicago, and no one wanted to hear about it. I think they were doctor shopping. And the the result is, is what we're facing now. And it's disappointing for someone who spent like 20 years in this business and understands this to see what's happening and say, why are we reporting about things? The New York Times, oh, sorry, uh, Time Magazine, just as recently as yesterday, mm-hmm. basically verbatim reported what was what was what was in SIDRAP like 60 days ago. And it's just, I, I can't believe it. And no one wants to hear truth. They want optimism, and I get it, because we all like the release. I love sports. But but this is really getting ridiculous. And for somebody like me, it, it's actually maddening. It really is. Mark, I'm glad you checked in. I appreciate your phone call. And I understand why you feel that way, because think about it. On the first week, you're having an outbreak so what's next? It's, it's, it, you cannot help but to take your eyes over here and you say, well, if this is happening there, what's happening here? And here does not mean Chicago. I mean, just moving your eyes around the Major League Baseball landscape and say, well, which players are going to be irresponsible now? Or how's Manfred not going to do his job here? Or how is Tony Clark not going to be able to, to uh, give his thoughts and make sure that players put themselves in a position where they're safe there? I mean, it's just... It is maddening. You are correct about that. Mark, I'm glad you checked in. Appreciate your phone call. We're going to hear from Jesse Rogers in a moment and get his thoughts uh, about this because he's been covering it heavily with COVID-19. Mark leaves line open. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Chris is in Prospect Heights on ESPN 1000 on the baseball show. Hey, Chris. I think Mark made a lot of great points. Um, Basically, what I was going to say is, I mean, it would really suck to have the season go away. Uh, but, I mean, if that's you got to do to protect the players and their families and everybody else, that's what you got to do. would have been nice if there was a, some kind of plan, bubble plan, for Major League Baseball like the other sports. I agree with that 100%. But, I mean, we are where we are right now. If they got to do it, they got to do it. You're good if baseball shuts down. I mean, I'm not happy, but I'm okay with it. I understand the logic behind it. Uh, I appreciate your phone call. I I think uh, it's it's what I've been saying since we started doing the show uh, in July, early July, <laughs> when we first started this thing. I said, yeah, we're going to talk about the storylines of both teams and and all this uh, pageantry around baseball, but we know what the reality is. You and I know the reality of what is happening here, and baseball has tried. They've tried to be able to provide us with uh, baseball, and it's great to see it when it's on the television. But we also know that players are no different than just people. They're, they're, they are people. They're just like anybody else that will figure like, no, no, this whole washing the hands thing or trying to stay safe is not necessarily as important to me as just get on the diamond and just do what I do because it feels more natural. You know, it just, this is why players had an opportunity to opt out. And if you appreciate a player opting out, if he just wasn't going to follow the guidelines, he wasn't interested in the guidelines, some of them. It's because look at the Marlins. And to be able to still play after the knowledge 
that there were a positive test, and they're still playing anyway. And Philly signed off on it as well. That's just weird. Talked to Jesse Rogers earlier about this. I wanted to get Jesse's perspective on Rob Manfred, COVID-19, and the big statement that he made earlier today. Um, you know, Manfred just seemed to be very outspoken in his recent comments, Jesse. Yeah, he really was. And I think the the sort of aggressive nature of that rhetoric comes from the fact that governments, the government is leaning on him. That was the shocker of the story that Jeff Passan broke earlier today, that local governments and, and the federal government, I know, is looking at this as well. And if if guys aren't following protocol, and I'm, I think that's the, where the local part of it comes in, they're going to come down on them. And that's what we saw with Manfred telling Tony Clark, hey, tell your guys to straighten up or, or we're going to shut this thing down. Um, it doesn't help that these outbreaks are happening. I'm not sure if, it, if it's the player's fault or not. Maybe some of it's unavoidable, but what is avoidable is the things we see on TV. And, and uh, I think that came from the very top. And, you know, I'm not saying it was President Trump, but it was the very top in terms of uh, our government. And, uh, and, and, and again, the local governments um, coming down on, on baseball and, and saying, look, if you're not going to do it, uh, we're asking everybody else to do it. If you're not going to do it, we're going to we're going to take action. Can you give us some insight on what is going on within the Miami Marlins? This whole story has just been really bad for baseball, but you got to have some people that you know there that could tell you what happened on Sunday and where we are right now as far as the team. Yeah, I think you're seeing the results of the Marlins end up with the Philly, I'm sorry, with the um with the Cardinals and Brewers game getting canceled. In other words, the Marlins had two or three guys test positive. Then they still went out and played all weekend that that weekend and luckily did not infect other Phillies, but they certainly infected each other. And you've seen now the incubation period cause a, a positive test every day this week. Marlins players that tested negative Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, come in Thursday and they've tested positive. So guys um, are, are, are dodging bullets right now and pr- crossing their fingers, the ones that haven't tested positive. And the ones that have are, 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 are perturbed because they thought all week long they were, they were negative. Um, so the point being, if there's, a, if there's a multiplayer outbreak like happened in, in, in Miami, uh, with Miami in Philly, that's going to shut down a game. And that's what you saw today with Milwaukee and St. Louis. If it was just one player, I bet they were playing tonight. But two or more define an outbreak. And, and, it, and it's assumed that they are giving it to each other or maybe they both got it in the same place. We don't know all the, all the stories, but if they're giving it to each other, they could easily give it to other teammates. And that's why they shut the game down for one night and they're testing everybody to see if everyone's clear. Miami now is, is getting the sick home, trying to figure out how they can get a team together to play next week. And, and they're going to move on from there. But the mistakes came in the, in the days after the first one or two guys tested positive. How much should Manfred and Tony Clark be blamed for all of this? I mean, it's hard to know. It really is. Um, Certainly some, certainly some, but maybe the task was just too big to, to, in in the first place. Uh, Nobody really wanted a bubble and and it wasn't ever going to be a true bubble anyway. It was going to be 15 or 30 spring training sites that they were using, whatever the number was going to be. And players are going to be moving back and forth. It wasn't going to be like at Disney world, like the NBA or whatever. So um, I'm not sure that they could do a lot. Um, I would a lot more than they did with this 113 page protocol safety protocol, but the mis- they did make mistakes last week, allowing the Marlins to continue to play. 
an outbreak should be defined by two or more people, and an outbreak means you don't play baseball, and they did. The other thing about that, though, Jesse, is the the text messages going back and forth, finding out, well, you think we should play or not? I mean, clearly, if it's COVID-19, you're going to find out. I mean, yeah, you want to play, but someone's going to find out. And that's the thing that's so egregious about this is that it's almost like this, like some of those players did not care that they were tested positive and they were just going to play anyway. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird that the Phillies agreed to it as well. The Phillies agreed to it knowing that the Marlins tested positive. Now, baseball still had to sign off. I've heard differing uh, aspects of that. Um, the, the players wanted to move the game to, to the evening on that Sunday because then they could maybe get some test results back and know what the situation was. But the league wouldn't allow them to move the game time just based on that reasoning because of TV stuff. And so they played it early, and then they find out all these guys are positive. So there are a lot of layers to it. I think when you talk about what happened that day, players, the league, everybody takes blame. Moving forward, I think it's been a little bit better. What they did today was the right decision. So let's see if they really did learn from that experience, which is what uh, Rob Manfred said in an interview on MLB Network. We need to learn from it and be better. So maybe they have. Okay. I, my, my whole thing is like, okay, this happened once, and I guess if you have another outbreak again and players know and the testers know, but yet you play anyway and both teams agree, there should be fines and suspensions. If this Pretty is dumb. Goodell, Pretty well, dumb, yeah. Well, yeah. well, if this is Goodell's or, or Silver's uh, you know, uh, organization that they're that they're covering and that they are presiding over, Jesse, there's no way that those players are back on the field, if, if at all, actually. Yeah, yeah. When you're holding up Roger Goodell to high standards, to high praise, <laughs> you know, like if he did it, if he was in charge, they would have done the right thing. That's 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 damning. Uh, that's damning with faint praise there. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, you can't have multiple players test positive and expect to go out there and play. What surprised you most about the Cubs in their first couple of series? They're starting pitching, I think. I mean, I know it's just one six starts or whatever, but um, to see Chatwood and Lester perform that well this quickly, and Mills, I should say all three of them, Chatwood, Mills, and Lester, that was a little surprising. I think any one of the three, if not more than one, could have caught, you know, had a bad outing and nobody would have been surprised. So, um, that that's it right there. Now, Darvish was the one guy that didn't go five innings. He goes tonight. So let's see if he can hold up his end of the bargain. But they got pretty pretty much five out of six decent starts. You know, Hendrick wasn't great the other night, but he wasn't awful. So that's pretty good, five out of six good starts. And on the Sox side of things, Madrigals now is up uh, with the White Sox. Something has to be done at some point. If it's not going to be this year or the next few years, this whole thing with service time, Jesse, I mean, he, he, you would have liked to have him there for opening day, but because of the, the laws, he had to wait a little bit. But imagine Madrigal in the starting lineup right away and not having to deal with Laurie Garcia and his uh, issues a week uh, from Friday where he had right. a hard time at second base. Yeah, no, I get you. And they, they are going to change that in the next CBA. I think that's the one thing the players absolutely want to say, but uh, change. But here's the funny thing. If you're already in the league and you're a veteran, you're going into negotiations, do you care that much about that AAA player that has to stay in the league? Uh, minors want for one week. Chris Bryant better go to bat for those minor league players because he raised holy hell that he was down there for a week, and a lot of other players did as well. But, of course, now they're far past that in their careers. Will they make that a central issue? I know agents will because many of the agents have players that are coming up through the minors. You know, Chris Bryant's agent, Scott Boris, has the next Chris Bryant. So I know agents will make a big deal of it, but players need to as well. My friend, thank you so much for coming on the show as always. 
All right, Jay Hood, take care. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. This is The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. Cubs, socks, and so much more. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Pedro Gomez tweeted this out, MLB insider for ESPN. He says, Major League Baseball announced that 104 players have tested positive for COVID-19. Major League Baseball talks of taking more than 44,000 tests. However, there are 900 active players, and even if you allow for 100 others to have gone up or down, that means about 10% of the players have tested positive. About 9 or 10% of players tested positive for COVID-19. That's from Pedro Gomez earlier on on Twitter. It's, uh, it's really something to be able to at least watch these games, but not even knowing whether or not we're going to get through a 60-game season. It's a big question mark. I'm enjoying the games as they come, but who knows what the future brings. As Is the season on the brink? Because the commissioner is pretty much saying, you know, if we have another outbreak or more COVID tests that are positive, maybe we're going to shut the season down. We will see. John Hood with you on the baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We're going to hear from Chris Black. He's got a great idea as far as what should have happened or a consideration for Major League Baseball, what could have happened to maybe uh, circumvent what we're seeing right now in an outbreak. Scott in Highland Park with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 on the baseball show. Hey, Scott. Hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for checking in. Good. Love your show. A couple things. First, a comment on glad. I, I'm hoping Nick Madrigal can get some playing time. I understand that Lurie Garcia's got a better stick, but and maybe they get away with it in a small, shortened season, but we know that defensively Madrigal's better. And on the, uh, the front of the Marlins, it is unconscionable that leadership let these guys play. The players are always going to want to play. It is unconscionable that Rob Manfred it did not step step out and be a leader here, okay? And in my opinion, and I want to hear what you have to say about this. In my opinion, what they did, they should they should be suspending those games. And if you have to kick the team out of the league, I mean, are you watching the Marlins? Mattingly is chewing without a mask on. These guys are not social distancing, mm-hmm. and you know what? We need leadership, and short of leadership, we have. Real, real problems. I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. Scotty, we appreciate your phone call. Okay, so along with that leadership, right, I'm telling you if this is the NFL or even the NBA, if players are not social distancing based on what you see at the at the ballpark, you can't police them at their homes. It's all these people and personnel, so you can't police them. You can only say here are the guidelines that you should follow to make sure that you don't have a positive test. You are trying to increase your chances to not get sick or not have a positive test or not go into quarantine. If this is Goodell's Major League Baseball, if this is Silver's Major League Baseball, those players, number one, that were hiding the fact that said, well, should we play or should we not play? And for the not only the Marlins, but the Phillies, since they both teams knew 
that there are players that had positive tests for COVID-19 in the in that regime of the silver regime for baseball or for the Goodell administration for baseball, those guys would be suspended. How are they still even on the roster right now? Where's the heavy fine? See, that's what I'm talking about. This is why people get pissed off about the whole Astros thing and Joe Kelly getting his suspension, but yet the players get off scotch-free. That doesn't make sense to me. This random wheel of justice. So, so in other words, Manfred's not going to do anything about these players that took it upon themselves to say, yeah, we're going to play. They're positive tests, but we're going to play. Hey, come on. I, like, there has to be some kind of protocol in place. It's just weak at the top with Major League Baseball. I want a commissioner that loves the sport. And the whole magical thing, well, thank goodness that maybe next year in the CBA, the next couple of years, we won't have to wait for a, a guy like Nick Madrigal that had to spend time in the minor leagues and then all of a sudden, oh, here he appears. It's nonsense. He, he is a highly regarded second base prospect. The guy was the number four overall pick in 2018. He's got power. I would have loved to see him over at second base to open up the season instead of Garcia. And Garcia is, is not this horrible player. I'm just saying that if you're trying to revamp your team – and go in the right direction. It would have been nice for Madrigal to start off the season. Of course, it wasn't in the cards, but because of Major League Baseball rules, being as old school as they are. But I look forward to seeing him now. I'm glad that he's there. And hopefully he'll be in the lineup as often as possible. And that's another thing I talked about the other night. You have a doubleheader, and in the second game of the doubleheader, you're, you're not starting Grandal or Encarnacion, but you put Delmonico as a cleanup hitter. What's going on there? Brett and Willowbrook with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Hey, Brett. Hey, what's up, Jay Hood? What's cracking? Um, hey, so love Jesse Rogers, but got to call him out on what he just said in the last segment. Mm-hmm. He said Hendricks threw a good start, wasn't bad. He lit up six runs in four innings. The guy threw a complete game shutout, and his ERA is now over four. If that's not a bad start, I don't know what is. Um, so, I don't know. Just wanted to call Jesse out on that. that. That was a terrible start. He's your ace. He's your first guy. You know, six rounds in four innings is is not a good start. So uh, just wanted to comment on that. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. All right, Brett, you too. No, I agree. I agree with you. Um, the first game that Hendricks had obviously was, that was aces. That's exactly what you want, a complete game. He was terrific. But he regressed in that last outing. There's, that is for sure. Um, so not a great outing. No, he regressed. And as I've mentioned about Hendricks again, Hendricks is not a one on any team in Major League Baseball, good or bad. I think that he's a solid pitcher for any uh, for any roster. For a, a number two guy, maybe a number three guy, he doesn't have overpowering stuff, but he knows when he's on, he's placing it well. It looks like 87, 86 miles an hour, but he places it very well. So I give him props on that. Uh, but the last outing, you're right, it was not it was not great. Um, Tom and Belmont Heights with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Hey Tom. Hi Jonathan. Always a pleasure listening to you at night. Thank you. I uh, want to just uh, give props to uh, Rick Hahn for getting rid of uh, Kelvin Herrera. He was a real waste of money, but li- at least they got rid of him for only a million dollars when they owed him seven and a half. And with the, you know, with the, uh, uh, with the lesser amount that they have to pay, he, the Sox lost a million dollars. Hopefully that'll, this will be, uh, you know, something that we could look forward to that he'll be making better deals other than, you know, getting rid of uh, somebody like uh, Carson Fulmer, who they, you know, they had him on the cheap at least for another year or two. 
my friend. I'm glad you checked in. Yeah, the Herrera uh, is gone to assignment, designated for assignment. He had a 16 ERA and uh, two appearances this season. He was just no good. 30 years old, he maybe he'll go on to someplace else and be able to get it done, but he got DFA'd today, and so I'm glad that Nick Madrigal, the prospect, has been called out. Chris Black had a great idea when it comes to the, the uh, possible bubble idea for uh, Major League Baseball. Look, hockey's doing it, NBA's doing it, why not baseball? Let's go to Black. My idea for baseball comes up with, uh, this idea came from three separate things. One, uh, we have seen the success of the bubbles from the NHL, the NBA, the WNBA, and Major League Soccer in this country. And from what I can tell is like to this point, all of those leagues have had some level of success running their own bubble to complete either the playoffs or the regular season or like the MLS to just have their own tournament to kind of get something uh, for us to watch. So that's number one. Number two, Major League Baseball told us from the start that they were going to make the schedule playing opponents who are in your division and then the division that represents yours from the other league. So you're already pairing up the Centrals, the East, and the West for the AL and the NL. So Major League Baseball already told us this. The other thing that my idea encompasses is another item that Major League Baseball told us about. It's a 60-game schedule, and then they're going to play the playoffs. So to me, if you look at the time of that, that's just over three months. And if you put that down on the calendar compared to Major, Major League Soccer and the NBA and the NHL, it's about the same amount of time. So here, here was my idea. The Major League Baseball from the start, they should have had three separate bubble cities. And so what you would have done is you would have utilized the three cities in different parts of the country where there were two Major League Baseball stadiums. In the East, you'd have the AL and the NL East playing in New York City at both Yankee Stadium and at MetLife Stadium where the Mets play. Here in Chicago, you would host the Centrals, the AL and the NL Centrals, because the Sox and the Cubs both have stadiums in the city of Chicago. And in Los Angeles, you have Anaheim, you have Dodger Stadium. Both West, the AL and the NL, would both be housed in Los Angeles. So you'd say, okay, how are you going to accomplish three separate bubbles. Well, in all three cities, Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago, you already have the infrastructure of hotels in place. And if you've driven up and down Michigan Avenue over the course of the last four months, the hotels on Michigan Avenue are empty. Heck, there's so much available hotel space in Chicago right now, you could basically put of the 10 teams who are being housed here in Chicago for this fictitious MLB bubble here in the Midwest, you could give each team their own hotel and be perfectly fine. So I feel as if baseball told us the blueprint halfway, they just didn't complete and actually go through a bubble because they told us we are going to limit travel. So you will only play the teams in your division and the teams in your region. Okay, that makes sense. They, they limited the schedule, 60 games. Okay, that makes sense. The only thing they didn't give us, Jonathan, was the bubble. And you say, okay, one other thing that I would like to poke a hole in this brilliant idea how would you actually play the games? Okay, you got 10 teams in each region in the bubble, and you'd say, okay, so you have five games a day. You have two ballparks per city. That means you could have two dueling 120 starts. You could have two dueling 7 o'clock starts. And then, just because of the situation we're facing, you'd have to have one game a day in each of the cities, 
either start at like 9.30 in the morning or at 10 o'clock in the morning just to get five games in a day per city. And I think that's a sacrifice that would be uh, an interesting way to get around a scheduling issue only using two stadiums. Now, a lot of people have suggested that you could use minor league ballparks as a part of this, but the reason why I am emphasizing the two stadiums in each city is it just limits the amount of exposure, it limits the amount of people you may come in contact with, and Major League Baseball would have to employ less people to kind of go through the protocols and keep the two baseball parks up and running for all of these games. This is the Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. This, this, this is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. Catch up on your time. Click the Baseball Show tile for the podcast on the new ESPN Chicago app. The Baseball Show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Jonathan Hood with you on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app, the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. Glad that you're with us. we got five topics in less than five minutes. Let's now do 545. Five. Right here on ESPN 1000, we got the NBA right around the corner, Dallas against Houston at the top of the hour. All right, Sean, what's the five for five? Thing tonight, Hoodie, it still hurts. It still hurts. As a longtime Sox fan, how painful has it been to watch the progression of Fernando Tatis Jr.? Not at all. Uh, I enjoy to be able to, to watch baseball and it's spread across the country of great and up-and-coming superstars. So when you have Madrigal that's uh, going to be playing now, when you have Luis Robert, listen, everyone has a bad deal. And for Tatis, it's great for, for him to be able to flourish where he is because the Sox are rich with young talent. Yeah, when you look at it, you're right. Luis Robert, Magical, we have a lot of talent. Mick Adolfo still down there. A lot of talent still in AAA and AA. So that kind of softens the blow, and he's still a great talent to watch. The Twins and Indians proved that they are still the best two teams in the AL Central when they faced off against the White Sox last week. Which team is the tougher matchup for the White Sox? Interesting question because I, the Indians' pitching, starting pitching staff is much better than I thought it was going to be. Plezak was terrific. Just watching that series, their starting pitching was pretty solid. Uh, but I still will look at the offense uh, because I think that Minnesota's offense is just tremendous. We have cited the over 300 home runs they hit last year. Uh, they added to their offense this season, and they really looked strong against the Sox in that opening series last weekend. So I'm going to lean Twins just because of the offense. Yeah, I think the Twins might be the biggest matchup. The uh, Indians' offense still struggles a lot, so I agree with you there, Hoodie. Have you found in the hood, Cave, you know, you sit back, have your nice little drink at the end of the evening. Mm -hmm. In any sport, you always find your favorite team to follow or watch. Have you found that favorite team to follow or watch early in this season? I have watched uh, in the Northern... Probably a a little bit too much San Diego Padre baseball, for whatever reason, just keeps (laughs) popping up. Uh, Padres are playing Colorado tonight. Um, and maybe that's this is just something that is just temporary, but they're off to a nice start. I think I've been watching the Padres a lot because of what we talked about, right? Young talent. Yep. You see that on this Padres team. They're 5-2 and two going into the game against Colorado and Denver. Yeah, the Dodgers for me have been a fun team to watch. I was watching the Cincinnati Reds until they played the Cubs, and then I just chose not to watch. And the Philadelphia Phillies, another team that a lot of people picked 
to win the AL East. A lot of talent, a lot of young talent mixed with veterans, big free agent signings. I think they're going to be something to reckon with in the AL East. The Cubs and Sox are both among the top four teams in home runs in Major League Baseball, but both rank 24th and 28th respectively in pitching. How much does the pitching have to improve for the teams to make the postseason? Do you think that they have to get to like middle of the pack or do they have to get to the top 10? Well, I, I would say at least middle of the pack in a in a sixty game season. I'm not looking for rankings in a short season. If you get there, right? This is if you get to sixty, you'll take the middle. And a lot of this is because of the bullpen. Yeah, yeah, two bullpens that have an over ten ERA, and that just won't do. It's kind of like what you'd see in April anyway, where the pitching gets better as the season progresses for some teams. Uh, but it, the home run power, you know, is there. Uh, but what you're looking for is quality pitching. Uh, from the, uh, the bullpen, and you're just not getting enough of that, I don't think, on either side right now. Yeah, it's amazing that both teams are on a better home run pace than the Minnesota Twins that broke the home run record last year. And like you said, hopefully they both can improve to at least middle of the pack in MLB and get both teams into the postseason. All right, TBS, it's Friday. The best series of the weekend for you, Hood, is what? I liked how you did that. That's good marketing. Um, if I said it. <laughs> For TBS. Um, you know, the Braves and the Mets are a built-in rivalry. It's not the same without the fans, but they don't like each other over the years. So I will pick that one uh, in particular. Um, Mets-Braves. The game's going on right now. And the Giants are better than I thought they were going to be for, for whatever reason. Uh, Rangers-Giants possibly. Oh, uh, but, yeah. I, but, I, but I'm looking at Met, uh, Braves at the top. Yeah, Red Sox-Yankee doesn't have the same bravado as it nah. does in previous years. Astros-Angels could be okay. And White Sox-Royals always ends up being a quirky series. Something crazy always happens. You get a brawl. You get some type mm-hmm. of game where a team scores five in the bottom of the ninth to come back and win. That's just the way it always goes for those two teams uh, in Kansas City. And that, my friends, is five for five right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Our thanks to Sean Davis on the other side of the glass. The baseball show is presented by Goose Island. If you do not catch me Saturday from 3 to 5.30 with Jeff Dickerson, if you're driving around listening to us at 3 o'clock on Saturday, then how about Monday as we lead you into Sox Brewers at 6 o'clock right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. You'll be listening to the baseball show with Jonathan Hood. If you miss something, you can always get the podcast on your time. Click the Baseball Show tile on the new ESPN Chicago app. Join us weeknights at 6 for the Baseball Show, presented by the Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000.